Welcome to the Holy Bible Study for Genesis chapter 33. This time around, we are finally going to see Jacob reunited with his estranged brother Esau. We're going to see if that's going to be good or bad. We're going to see what's going to come of that. So let's just jump right into that story today. And as always, God bless you all. Godspeed. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau came, and with him four hundred men. And he divided the children unto Leah, and unto Rachel, and unto the two handmaids. Now you're going to notice, if Esau and his four hundred men do decide to slay Jacob's family and Jacob's people, the ones that are closest to Jacob and that he cares for the most, Jacob's plan is that they will have time to flee, before Esau and his men can get to them. So he's going to put them in a pecking order. He's going to put the handmaids and their children first. Then he's going to put Leah and her children. Then he's going to put Rachel and her children. And obviously all his servants and handmaids and, um, you know, cattle, all that, that's all going to be in the forefront ahead of even the handmaids and Leah, etc. Alright, so verse 2, he put the handmaids and their children foremost, that means in front, Leah and her children after, so they're in the middle, and Rachel and Joseph hindermost. Now, Joseph at this time was Rachel's only child with Jacob. He is going to have Benjamin with her, but Benjamin hasn't been born yet. So right now it's only Rachel and Joseph. Those are the closest to him, the ones he loves the most. And he passed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times. So, he is going to basically risk his own life um, at the expense of his family because if Esau does have the intention to kill him and his people, Jacob would be the first to go. And then those behind him in the forefront of the line I just mentioned. And then obviously Rachel and Joseph would be able to escape and possibly Leah and her children. So, Jacob, on his way to meet Esau, what he's going to do is, he's going to put his trust and faith in the Lord, and he's going to pray to the Lord for the Lord's favor and protection, by humbly, like the men of God have done so far in the Old Testament, and like we'll find they're going to do in the future, he bowed his face to the ground, in humble reverence to the Lord, and in fear of the Lord, and he's going to do that seven times. And I mentioned all throughout these Holy Bible studies, there's no coincidence with that because God's number is seven. Jacob obviously knew that. So he's going to bow to the Lord not once, not twice, not three times, not ten times, not twenty times, but exactly seven times because that is God's number of perfection. And there are some that say he didn't, do this bowing all at once, like he didn't bow once, twice, three, four, five, six, seven, but that he bowed once, took some more steps towards Esau, bowed again, got up, took some more steps towards Esau, got down, bowed again, took some more steps towards Esau, etc., etc. So he may have um, bowed seven times, just not all at once. Like in his journey towards Esau, he was bowing um, periodically, but he made sure that he did so exactly seven times um, 
to show, obviously, which God he serves, and um, because he knew that was the Lord's number, as you and I do. Okay, bowed himself to the ground seven times, until he came near to his brother, and Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. So obviously this is something Jacob was not expecting, but it's what he was hoping for in the previous chapters when he was sending gifts upon gifts upon gifts ahead of his company, ahead of his band that was coming towards Esau. He wanted Esau to be met with all these gifts first to see that Jacob obviously held no ill will toward him, and that Jacob was respecting him as the elder brother and showing him love and paying him reverence. And this obviously worked. You know, whether or not Esau's heart had changed um, just by itself or if the Lord had changed his heart, uh, we don't know. Or if it was the gifts that changed his heart. All we know is that he was actually happy to see his brother. I mean, 20 years does change a lot. I mean, there is that old saying, Time heals all wounds. This could be a case of it. And he lifted up his eyes and saw the women and the children. This is Esau. And said, Who are those with thee, Jacob? And he said, The children which God hath graciously given your servant. So again, as I mentioned in previous chapters, even though Jacob has the birthright, Jacob has the blessing, Jacob is obviously the favored one in God's sight. He's going to carry on the patriarchy of Abraham and Isaac. He is still showing servility to Esau, his older brother. He is still deferring to his older brother, um, you know, his reverence and his respect and, and saying, you know, even though I hold these things, I hold the birthright, I hold the blessing, you're still the elder. I still serve you. So that again just shows why God chose Jacob because of his humility, because he humbled himself, which is something we know Esau would not have done. All right, and then the handmaidens came near, they and their children, and they bowed themselves. And Leah also with her children came near and bowed themselves. And after came Joseph near and Rachel, and they bowed themselves. And he said, What meanest you by all this drove which I meet? And he said, These are to find grace in the sight of my Lord, speaking of all the gifts and all the cattle and all the men servants and maidservants that um, Jacob had sent in droves to appease whatever anger he thought Esau might still hold towards him. And Esau said, I have enough. My brother, keep that what you have unto yourself. Now normally you'd think, okay, now Esau's being humble. He's saying, no, no, it's your stuff. I don't want to take it from you. You need it. I got enough. One thing you got to understand is back then, if someone were to refuse a gift then that would mean that you still can rightfully hold a grudge in your heart towards someone. Like I said, the main reason Jacob sent the gifts was to appease the anger of Esau. So if, by Esau not accepting these gifts, even if, though that wasn't his intention, 
by him not accepting these gifts, that would symbolize to Jacob that he probably still holds the grudge and hasn't dropped all of his anger uh, towards his brother as of yet. So Jacob is going here to try to convince him to keep all the gifts. And Jacob said, Nay, I pray thee, if now I have found grace in thy sight, then receive my present at my hand, for therefore I have seen your face, as though I had seen the face of God, and you were pleased with me. Take, I pray you, my blessing that is brought to you, because God hath dealt graciously with me, and because I have enough. And he urged him, and he took it. Those are four powerful words there. And he took it. So right there, even if Esau did still hold any grudge in his heart, by accepting those gifts, according to his custom of that time, he was saying, all is forgiven. I'm not going to harm you. Um, what's in the past is in the past. And he said, let us take our journey and let us go, and I will go before you. Now even though... Jacob now has been shown that Esau has changed. He doesn't still hold a grudge or hostility towards Jacob. Jacob still doesn't want to take any chances. He does not want to take any chances because he remembers 20 years ago the hate that his brother had for him in his heart when he said, I will kill Jacob, my brother. So Jacob is not taking any chances. Yes, time heals all wounds, but Jacob is a wise cat. And he's going to say, no, it's all good. You know, you go your way, I'll go mine. And Jacob said unto him, my Lord, you know that the children are tender and the flocks and the herds with young are with me. And if men should overdrive them one day, all the flock will die. Let my Lord, I pray you, pass over before his servant and I will lead on softly according as the cattle that goeth before me and the children be able to endure until I come unto my Lord, unto Sarah. So Jacob now has Esau thinking that he's just going to follow behind him, unto Sarah. But Jacob, obviously, with the doubts that he still has in the back of his mind about Esau really truly changing, he is going to, unfortunately, not keep his word, and he's going to go the opposite way. So, when Esau heads to Sarah... In the east, Jacob is going to go to the west, we're going to find here. And Esau said, Let me now leave with you some of the folk that are with me. And he said, What needeth it? Let me find grace in the sight of my Lord. So Esau returned that day on his way unto Ser. And Jacob journeyed to Sakoth and built him a house, and made booths for his cattle, Therefore, the name of the place is called Sukkoth. thing I want to point out here later on in the Holy Bible, we're going to learn about the feasts of Yahweh, the feasts of the Lord. And one of the feasts is actually called Sukkot, S-U-K-K-O-T. Here, the word is Sukkoth, S-U-C-C-O-T-H. Um, also, the word Sukkot could also be S-U-C-C-O-T. Um, and what it literally means is booth or tabernacle. So if you've heard of the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths, you'll notice in the Hebrew it's called the Feast of Sukkot 
because Sukkot means literally booths or tabernacles. And that's why the name of this place was called Sukkoth, because Jacob there uh, made booths for his cattle, and that's where he built his temporary home, his house, which is what the Israelites are supposed to do in the Feast of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, is they have to make temporary dwellings in their yards, um, and they also call them booths, and they dwell in them for the entire feast. And verse 18, And Jacob came to Shalem, a city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Padanaram, and pitched his tent before the city. Now, Jacob here and his family are going to get into some trouble in Shechem. And you're going to find that's because Jacob did not obey the voice of the Lord. Now, whether or not he was just delaying obeying the voice of the Lord, or whether or not he had forgot what the Lord had commanded him to do, either way, if you remember, when he left Padanaram, the Lord had commanded him to go to Beersheba. Instead, Jacob here had set up tent in this place, Shechem. Thus, unfortunately, since he was outside of God's will, things are not really going to go his way and his family's way in this place. And it's said, now it's obviously not proven, because uh, it doesn't say so in the Holy Bible, but it's said and it's believed by theologians um, through other texts that they've discovered from, you know, Hebrew history, that he dwelt here, Jacob dwelt here for about 20 years. So it wasn't that just he was, you know, staying at a hotel for a week, and then he was going to continue on to Beersheba. He legit planted his feet and said, okay, we're going to live here for a bit, even though the Lord didn't tell him to do that. So friends, do your best to obey the voice of the Lord in your life. If his word tells you, this is what you do, you'll be blessed. If you do this, you'll be cursed. Don't get comfortable in sin for a little bit saying, well, you know, next week I'll get back to my holy living. Next week I'll get back into the Holy Bible studying the Word. Next week I'll do this for the Lord. Next week I'll do that for the Lord. But this week I'm going to kind of take a break and get a little more worldly. You're going to notice when you get out of God's will and out of God's boundaries that He set for you in your life, your blessings are not going to be anywhere near as good as they are when you are totally on track with His will. When you are totally walking hand in hand with Him, letting Him guide you where He wants you to go. If you stop and you plant your feet somewhere else that He doesn't want you to be, I'm not saying you're going to be cursed, but things are not going to go your way. That's exactly what happened here with Jacob. He was blessed by the Lord, abundantly blessed, more so than anyone in his time. But still, things were not going to go his way, and a few unfortunate things are going to happen with his family, speaking specifically of his daughter and a couple of his sons, because of not being in lockstep with the Lord, not following the commands of the Lord, what the Lord had commanded him to do. Okay, and he bought a parcel of a field where he had spread his tent at the hand of the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, 
for a hundred pieces of money. Now this city is called Shechem, but also, I don't want you to get confused, there is going to be a character named Shechem also, who we're going to read about in the coming chapter. Um, and his father's name is Hamor. And these two are going to do some bad things, and then the children of Israel are going to do some bad things in return. Um, that's why I want you to remember when we study the next chapter, always leave vengeance to the Lord. Do not take vengeance into your own hands, because no matter how righteous you think it is in your own sight, no matter how much justice you think you're bringing about, if you harm someone and you murder someone, um, it's against God's law. Unless you are physically, at that moment, protecting your loved ones, defending them, self-defense, there is no justification for harming or murdering someone because of a wrong they've done to you or anyone else. Just remember that before we start this next Bible study, chapter 34. And verse 20, And he erected there an altar in that place, speaking of Jacob. And he called it El Alahi Israel. Now I love that, that they actually put the Hebrew name there. Because in the English, basically it would say he erected an altar there and called it God, the God of Israel. But the Hebrew is so much more powerful. El Alahi Israel. That's why I insert that name, God, the God of Israel into every prayer I pray. I'll pray to the Lord in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'll pray to my Father in heaven, Yahweh, 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 El Elohi, Israel. I'm telling you, friends, when you speak the original Hebrew, that prayer is so powerful. Obviously, all prayer is powerful. But when you address God by His divine titles, you'll sense his presence. You'll know he's there and that he heard you the second you said those holy words and spoke his holy name. And your prayers will come through a lot quicker. Trust me, I've seen it in my own life. Because you have these backslidden pastors and preachers who will go up, you know, for presidential inaugurations or in front of Congress to deliver addresses. And they'll just say, and we pray this in the name of our Lord and... To the great God, you know, almighty over all of us. You know, it's great. Yes, God is almighty. And yes, Jesus is Lord. But you notice a lot of times they won't say in the name of Jesus, which is the name God commands us to pray in. And they won't address God by his divine titles. They won't say the Lord Yahweh, um, our Father in heaven, Yahweh. They won't say Yahweh El. They won't say Yahweh El Elohi Israel. Um... They won't say Yahweh El Elohim, El Shaddai, El Elyon, El Olam. They'll just say, in the name of God. But in the Holy Bible, God is used a lot with a little g, referring to false gods, or referring to um, angels, sometimes fallen angels, who are worshipped as gods, per se. So, whenever you just say God, you know, everyone in the room can basically make that to mean whatever they want it to mean. Some can say it means Allah, some can say it means Buddha, some can say it just means um, a generic God for all gods. Which God are we praying to? We're praying in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua, Mashiach, Emmanuel, for the greater glory of our God and Father, Yahweh, 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 
Yahweh El Elohi Israel. That's the God of Jacob. That's the God we serve. And that is the God we need to be praying to, not just to God, the generic English God. Trust me, your prayers will be answered a lot quicker and your prayer life will be a lot more powerful when you start addressing the Lord by his holy names and the way he gave them to his Hebrew children all the way back from the times of Adam, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David. They all prayed to God with those names. We, as servants of God, need to do the same to show him his due respect and reverence that is due his holy name. That'll do it. Next time, we're going to deal with an incident with Jacob's daughter, Dina. An unfortunate incident, which is going to lead to an even more unfortunate incident with two of his sons, Simeon and Levi. So you want to be sure to tune in for that one. And until next time, my friends, as always, God bless y'all.